Mary Oliver said, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. In a sense, what you give your attention to shows what you value. What you spend your time with shows what is important to you. And so if you uh, give your attention to your family, then you are devoted to your family. If you give attention to your job, you are devoted to your job. If you give attention to your phone, you're devoted to your phone. Attention is the beginning of devotion. But we have a problem. We have a very short attention span. Studies show back in 2000 that the average attention span, this was before they called the digital age, year 2000, we weren't doing that great to begin with, our attention span was 12 seconds. That was before the movie Up and Squirrel, if you know what I'm talking about. And so we could only focus for about 12 seconds back in 2000 for give our attention. 15 years later, 2015, do you think our attention spans have grown longer or shorter with smartphones and screens and touch screens? What do you think? Anybody vote for longer? We have longer attention spans now? Thank you, Cody. I appreciate your faith. Do you think we've got uh, shorter attention spans now? Yeah, it has shrunk from 12 seconds to 8 seconds. You watch the next time your screen, your TV, whatever media that you've got, and just watch how many times the scene changes or this picture shows up next to a talking head and just watch how many seconds it takes before that changes. It's fast. They realize that you only have that much time to focus your attention. Are you following me? which makes Sunday morning preaching really hard sometimes, I'll be honest. They're like, yeah, well, you're being kidding. Okay, so what is it? We're, that was six years ago, eight seconds. Can I put this in perspective? A goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. Don't you feel good today? We are losing to goldfish in our attention spans. We have a problem. And my goal today, as we continue our theme of renewing our minds and change your mind, change your life, that we can give attention to what is most important, and that's talking about God and His plan for us. And so we're going to anchor in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're actually going to spend the next two Sundays looking at this text. And so I want to encourage you to get a Bible open. It's actually on page 920. On, in the pew Bibles in front or pull out your device and go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in a handful of places in God's Word today. But I want to look at this text of Scripture. It lines up with our Core 52 study that we've been doing all year. This is chapter 42 we begin this week called Radical Change. And so this week I'm going to focus mainly on verse 2. Next week, Terry Davis from Christian Horizons, who's a new friend I've just um, grown, uh, known the last couple of years, super good guy. He's going to preach on Romans 12 and spend most of the time on 1 and 2, but I'm just going to be on verse 2 because that's our core verse for this week. But he's going to be here next week to also talk about estate planning. So if you don't have a will in place or you just need to kind of think through some of those uh, last, you know, end of life type stuff of what's going to happen when you 
die things. Uh, he's going to spend about an hour after church next Sunday in the fellowship hall. So I want to encourage you. It's completely free. We're working child care together for that, uh, that estate planning seminar. And then you get the information and you decide what you want to do with that. But we wanted to provide that opportunity for you. So that's going to be next Sunday. Uh, Terry Davis is going to be here preaching. So I want to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And can I do something that we don't do a lot? We're talking about change today. I want to invite you to stand as we read God's Word so we can give attention and honor to the Word of God. So if you would, stand, and I will read verses 1 and 2 from Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercy. We ask that we could be a living sacrifice and that we would no longer crawl off of the altar of offering, but that we would give our whole lives to you. Lord, protect us, renew our minds through this scripture so that we can embrace your good, pleasing, and perfect will. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. Thank you for honoring God's word and giving attention. If I could summarize a sermon in a sentence, it goes something like this today, that uh, a renewed mind leads to changed lives. A renewed mind leads to changed lives. And I think uh, there's two ways that renewing our mind can help us uh, in, our, in our lives. And the first one would be when we renew your mind, you can see through the lies of this age. You can see through the lies of this age when you're getting your mind renewed in God's word. And so the first part of verse 2 says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world. This is the idea of don't be conformed. It's actually where we get our word scheme. So don't let the, the pattern of this age or the schemes of this age uh, get you. And so he's saying to resist it. Both words, the conform and transform, are passive. Don't let that happen to you or do let this happen to you. Be transformed. And it's ongoing. So it's something that's going to happen over and over and over. So be not conformed or the... I should have brought some Play-Doh. I thought about it really close. So just can you imagine what color Play-Doh you... You pick your color. Just, just be a big handful right now. You can, you can do this out. You, it's not going to hurt you. You can hold your hand up. It's okay. Get your... You, we're, going to, we're using our brains here a little bit. Okay? So whatever color of Play-Doh, and I want you to do this. Just, do you remember doing this as a kid? Just squeeze, just squeeze it. Just let it run right through your fingers. Isn't that kind of a, wasn't that a cool feeling? Am I the only one that played with Play-Doh? Come on, work with me here, folks, okay? And so the, the, the principle that uh, the old translation said, don't let the world press you into its mold, okay? So be not conformed. So watch the schemes of this age, Paul is saying. Because we need to renew our minds. Uh, this uh, starts out with verse 1 where it says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy. Same way that chapter 8 of Romans started last week. You remember, therefore, 
There is now no condemnation. Therefore, you've got to kind of catch some more things from earlier. The last part of Romans, 12, Romans 11 asks a couple of questions. Who has the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to the Lord that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we need to renew our minds so that we can not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That we need to be able to see through the lies of this age. Uh, my friend Michael shared a book with me uh, this week. I listened to a chapter and a half by John Mark Comer called No More Lies. No More Lies, John Mark Comer. And he gave just a simple dis- dis- definition of truth. He says, truth is reality, lies, unreality. I thought that's pretty helpful because let's be honest, aren't we in, living in a world where we're like, I just want to know what is true. I'm just trying to figure out the truth amongst the noise. And so he says, truth is what's real. Lies are not real. It's fake, okay? It's not reality. And so when someone's telling you something that you know is not true, you can just call them a liar. That's, that's okay. You could. That may not be the best way to, to address them, but you could. You could also, and probably have said, I don't think that's real. I don't think that's really what happened. And let's be honest, you can remember some of the lies that you've told. Was that reality? Is that really what happened? No, that's not reality. And so maybe it's helpful just kind of to put these two buckets. Truth is what's real. Lies is not real. It's imaginary. It's made up. And so when we're walking through life and we're kind of just trying to navigate through landmines and things, you can say, okay, I know what is true. I know what is real. And that's not real. Could that be helpful for you today, this week? I have a feeling it will. Mark Comer also, John Mark Comer, gives an insight that I had not put together till this week. And Michael and I were talking about it on the way home from lunch this week. So I want to go, invite you to go to your gospel of Matthew chapter 3. Right when Jesus gets baptized, you remember where Jesus got baptized? It was in the Jordan River. He goes to meet his cousin John. And in Matthew chapter 3, there's this really cool, cool picture here. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And then What's frustrating sometimes when our, in our Bibles is these chapter-verse divisions. On one hand, it's nice because you can find the chapter and the verse, like right now. I'm saying Matthew 3, verse 17. But a lot of times when we're reading our Bible, you read a chapter, don't you? And then you stop. That's okay. You've got to stop sometime. But this one is helpful to read through the chapter-verse division. Okay? Can I, are you getting me? So this is, I'm trying to tell you how to read your Bible. Sometimes it's helpful to go ahead and spin on through that chapter-verse division because Matthew didn't put chapters and verses in it. Okay, that came in lots of time later. The story is, Jesus is baptized by his cousin John. He goes into the water, comes back up out of the water. The heavens are torn open. And in verse 17, a voice from heaven, which sounds like God, says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So the, the principle, the truth, God says to Jesus, this is my son, period. Are you following me? We've, some of you, you've been in church, you're like, okay, preacher, what's the deal? I want you to find out where are the next quotation marks in your Bible after this story. You've got to go past chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus goes out into the desert to be tempted by the evil one. 
the Satan, the tempter. And the tempter comes to Jesus. And chapter 4, verse 3. The tempter comes. Do you see that there's the next quotation mark? If you are the Son of God. Do you see what's happening here? God, truth, Jesus baptized. This is my Son, whom I love. I'm proud of him. That's my boy. Satan comes. If you're the Son of God. Do you see he's putting doubt in him? You go down to verse 6, it's the same way. If you're the son of... We always get hung up on turning the stones into bread, right? Turn these rocks into bread. Jump from the pinnacle. Don't miss this part. If you really are the son of God. Is that true? Is that real or unreal? I wish... uh, Jesus could have said, didn't you just listen to my dad? He just said I'm his son. But that's what happens. The evil one's crafty because you walk out of your house to go to work or go to school and you know, I love Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. And then someone says, did you really go to that church? Do you see how he works? He just tries to plant a little doubt. And then you start backpedaling. But if you've got your mind renewed in the truths of Scripture and you know who you are, you can say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Or, yes, this is the way we do things. Or, no, I'm not going to do that. When you renew your mind with the truths of Scripture and God's mercy through Jesus, we can see through the lies of this age. And we can say, this is real, this is not. Does that make sense to you? I think that's helpful. This is not the first time Jesus, that Satan's played this game. You go back to Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. And Jesus, God is speaking to Adam and he puts him in the garden. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, we've got these instructions. Genesis 2 verse 17. God says, 16 and 17, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God's truth. You can eat from all these trees, but don't eat from this one. It ain't going to turn out too good. And then the Satan comes in the form of a servant. Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, verse 1. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really say that? The answer is yes. But the way he asks it, you make, it makes you say, well, I think no's the right answer. He's tricky. He's lying to you. And then he tells the woman very clearly in verse 4, you will certainly not die. That is a lie. Because God said, if you eat it, you will die. Both cannot be true. One is real, one is not real. And because of their sin, they were cast out and they did die. Now, they didn't die instantly, but death came. And that's the reason why Jesus came to rescue us from the sin of this world. So do you see how he works? The, the tricky, he's tricky and he's just going to ask the questions and he's going to cast doubt. But when we renew our minds with God's word, and we're going to give you some weapons of how to face him, face the evil one, we are going to be able to see through the lies of this age. Paul continues this theme of, of truth and renewing our minds in his letter to the Colossian church. So if you want to turn your Bible, it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. 
Same writer, the Apostle Paul, Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, do not lie to each other. I was reading a book, uh, I think it was by Dr. J- uh, Daniel Amen, again, a different book, Your Brain is Always Listening. It looks pretty cool. It's, I, just got, I just scratched the surface. He says 81% of people lie to their doctors. That means most of you have. <laughs> and he's saying, why would you lie to your doctor? I mean, he's like, you're wasting your time, their time, and your money, he said. So like, why did you lie to your doctor? But we've got these things going on in our life. He's like, so Paul's like even saying, don't lie. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices, have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. And so Paul is saying, hey, we've got, we've got old stuff in the past. Let's, let's leave that off. Let's put it off. Let's put on some new things. Let's put on Jesus. Let's renew our knowledge. So you're going to have to learn some things as a follower of Jesus. You're going to have to read this book and learn and grow in the image of our Creator. So when we renew our minds, we're able to see through the lies of this age. Second way that renewing our minds helps us, when we renew our mind, we can embrace the will of God. It's there in Romans 12, verse 2. It's the last part but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So don't let the world, remember the Play-Doh, don't let the world press you into its mold. Don't let the patterns of this age, the schemes of this age, control you, but you need to be transformed. And again, it's passive. It's got to be done to us, but we need to partner with the God who can do that through Jesus. And so we're being transformed. This is a cool word that we get. Our, it's where we get our word, I hate saying these big words, but you've heard this word before, metamorphosis. Does that sound familiar? You remember that from biology class? Metamorphosis, okay? And so it's the picture of the caterpillar, and it turns into the butterfly. Metam- it, it metamorphosizes. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. It changes. It's just the word for change, to transform. Uh, we've got a popular book. I probably should have brought this book. Uh, maybe you've read it. It's probably on the New York Times bestseller list by Eric Carle called The Very Hungry Caterpillar. That's been really popular at our house uh, with, with best little ones. Like every single day, we read about this very hungry caterpillar. And on Monday, he eats a plum but he's still hungry. And on Tuesday, it's two peaches or whatever. Every day of the week, he eats, and he's still hungry. And then he eats a whole lot of stuff on Saturday, and he has a stomach ache. And then he wakes up and eats some green stuff, and then he turns into this little, what do you call that thing? A chrysalis. I learned it as a cocoon. I don't know if they're the same thing or not, but cocoon or chrysalis. And then at the end of the story, guess what happens to the very hungry caterpillar? He turns into a butterfly. Okay, spoiler alert, if you haven't read the kid's book, he turns into a butterfly. Okay. He doesn't die. He turns into a butterfly. All right? He's been transformed. And so Paul is saying you need to be transformed. And in some ways, we could learn from that caterpillar that we probably could be a little more hungry the things of God, to pay more attention 
to what God wants in our lives. And so this idea is to be transformed, to be changed. It's, it's, the, it's the same word that is described for Jesus in Mark chapter 9 when he goes up on this mountain with his dear friends, Peter and James and John, and it says, there on the mountain Jesus was transfigured before him. And I'm like, I still have no idea what that means, but it's the same word to be transformed. And it said that Jesus' clothes were like bright as white and whiter than anyone could ever bleach them. So this is like a vivid change. And so some people say, well, you're changed that you follow Jesus. That's all on your inside. Well, yes, mind, body, spirit. But I think there should be some external uh, change in our lives too. Would you agree? I'm not talking about beauty. But I am talking about the way you look at life. And let's be honest, I mean, we have bad days. It's okay to have bad days. But can you tell a difference of someone who loves Jesus versus someone who doesn't just by looking in their eyes? Most of the time, yes. And the eyes are brighter. There's a hope. There's a joy. There is some sense of purpose that is going to be displayed outside. Why? Because they're renewing their minds with the love and mercies of Jesus in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies. This word for transform, Paul also picks up in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, last verse of that chapter. And, he, and Paul is saying, and we all, so like all, God's people, the church, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That's probably a good word for renew your mind. It says, I've got a footnote, it says reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed. See that word being transformed? So this is something you can't actually go out and do by yourself. God's going to have to do some work in you. And so you're going to have to place yourself in some positions where God can do that. So we're being transformed into his image. We saw that back in Colossians. With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And Spirit's capitalized. Sounds like Holy Spirit of God's going to be doing some things inside of us. So when we renew our minds, we're able to embrace the will of God. How do we do that? What's that look like? In your chapter this week from Core 52, Mark Moore highlights four things. And I always hate the word things because I'm like, what is a thing? So I call them weapons. Weapons that you can use to face off against the evils of this age, this, this world, the schemes of this age. And so he gives scripture, music, service, and fellowship. Scripture. If you want to see through the schemes of this world, if you want to embrace the will of God, you must get into the Word of God. You've got to. And Sunday morning, this moment here, as good of a preacher as I am, I mean, I, okay, as good of a preacher as you got here, it's not enough. When's the last time you ate? Well, probably about 8 o'clock this morning, okay? When did you eat before then? Was it last Sunday at 8 a.m.? No, it was probably like last night at 6 p.m. I'm not talking about the snacks or the ice cream, okay? Don't worry about that. I'm just talking about meals. So if your body physically needs like more than one meal a week, what about your spiritual body? Does it need more than one meal a week? You better believe it. So find some way to get God's Word into you. You're going to see through the lies of this evil age. You're also going to be embrace the will of God. Here's what I've started doing just recently. 
kind of a new thing I've started because I'm going to close with think of something you should start, think of something you should stop. So just be, start thinking. That's, the, that's, the kind of the, the, that's where we're going here. And so I started to read a, a psalm in the mornings right when I wake up. I hadn't been doing that. Uh, but during the, my sabbatical time, I'm like, it's really nice to read God's Word early in the day and not just before I go to bed. And so to start your morning in the Word of God, you must end your, e- your evening prepared. And so the last thing I do before I give my wife a kiss and before we pray and before I turn the light out, I get my little psalm book, you pick your Bible, and my journal, and I put them stacked together right by my bed so that when I wake up, I see them, I grab them, and I go read and, and write my journal out. That's what I do. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but you've got to have a plan because it's not just going to happen. And so it's, that's, that's another book called Atomic Habits where you're stacking habits on, habit, on habits. So think of that habit. That's one way to do that. In that book by John Mark Comer, he says about, you know, no more lies. He says sometimes we're getting these lies into our, into our hearts and our minds and we're facing these stuff that's just getting us out of, getting us distracted. Um, some of us, you know, we have financial stress and struggles and we're worried and, you know, what about this? Or maybe there's kind of some jealousy. Man, why do they get all the nice stuff? Or there's just some things going on in your heart. And he's like, whatever you're facing, find a scripture to deal with that. So if it's kind of the financial worry or kind of envy, maybe you lean into Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need to want for anything. I have everything I need. I shall not want. And you start playing that into your mind, then some of that financial stress, God's the shepherd. He's going to take care of me. I have everything I need, so I don't need to be jealous about that. Are you following me? So the scriptures can get into your heart and help. I, I did that this week, and it was really good. As I was going to bed, and I was like, had some stuff I was kind of thinking through, and, and then I'm like, Lord's my shepherd. It's okay. You know, whatever the, faith, whatever the thing is that you just repeat the scriptures and get that in your mind. Maybe it's like a marriage thing where like, man, I don't think I want to stick this out. Maybe you need to remember the words of Jesus. What God has joined together, let man not separate. And so you just lean into that scripture that's going to whatever you're facing. Are you following me? That's one way to, to get the scriptures going into your life. Another way is music. Okay, what is the music, what's your playlist like? Okay, and I'm not saying like bad stuff, although we just, I'm just saying let's have some good stuff, like worship music, like Jesus music, because a lot of this, uh, spoiler alert thing, the, the songs that we sing, you can find most of those lyrics in your Bible. So that's another way that these Christian songs are getting scripture into our hearts. There's a story in the, in the Old Testament where King Saul had this, harmful, unclean spirit, and it was just kind of on him. And then he got David, who killed, killed Goliath, and he could play his harp really well, and he wrote a lot of psalms in the Bible. And whenever David would play, play the music, that harmful spirit would go away. So if you've got some stuff, you're like, man, I think there's some spiritual things going on here. You play some Christian music. The evil one does not like that. Service is another way to grow as we renew our minds, as we seek to make life change. We just got to get outside of ourselves. And when you're serving, you're thinking of someone else. 
And so service can help us to, to kind of face off the evil one. So we had God Squad this past week, and a special shout-out to all of our helpers. And we had 20-some kids there, and it was just so good to get some kids uh, you know, doing that stuff again. It was fun. So thanks to everyone who's helped and participated. There's all types of opportunities here at church that, that are for you to serve. But I tell people to serve, whatever you love to do, do that for Jesus. Whatever you love to do. And some of you are like, I don't like kids. Okay, don't work with the kids. Okay, don't do that. Okay, but we need some, we, but we do need to because if we don't take care of these kids, where's this church going to be in a few years? Okay, so, so some of you may say, okay, you know, we, but there's ways to help. And so we need help with, you know, kids or, you know, just helping around the, this building and, you know, just stuff happens. Uh, there's our safety ministry. There's people that do computer stuff. And there's all types of opportunities for you to serve here. But it's not just here to keep the church functioning, although that needs to happen. But it's ways to love your neighbor and your community and serve. And I was the beneficiary of, of someone's giftedness last night. I pulled the trailer for the band. They did great. So proud of you guys. Loved watching you guys yesterday compete. It's so fun. So we get home and we had to switch out a tire. And so I've got a, a, a tool. And then one of the dads just said, hey, you need a hand? I'm like, well, I've I got it. But he was like, and he pulled out a pneumatic air wrench, you know, impact driver thing. And we're like, Whoo! like this is cool all right he was wanting to use his gifts and I was happy to just kind of do this number it's great okay but it was nice we had a neat moment I was actually able to pray with him because there were some things going on in his life it was just a cool thing but he was happy to do that so that feeling of you know that type of experience where I like doing that, you get excited, use that for Jesus around this church and around our community, around the world. Those are different ways to face off against the evil one, to experience some life change. We're renewing our mind because we're thinking about others. And then the fourth one, he says, is fellowship. When the evil one can get us isolated, he has us right where he wants us. And that's the hard part about this last couple years, hasn't it been? Okay, and so we need each other, and we need this group here, but you also need some smaller groups too, some, some close friends, and maybe you have them over your house, but there's some type of relationship. Fellowship's one of our core values here at Berlin Church. We value Christian fellowship, because we don't want people to slip through the cracks. And so what are some friendships that maybe you need to cultivate, or some relationships say, okay, I, 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 need, I need that, I need each other doctors say that people get better in groups you need people talk life through share life with you don't have to do this alone be transformed by the renewing of your mind you've got help so mark moore says here's why i want you to do this week and i'll just quote i actually i changed this quote because i think it's easier to say it this way think of something that you need to stop put off the old self Talking about change. What's something you need to, I, just, I need to stop this. Remember those automatic negative thoughts that we talked about last week? Maybe you need to squash those. What's something you need to stop? What's something you need to start? Write those down this week. And then talk to someone. It says an accountability partner. That's a big fancy word of saying a friend who loves Jesus. And just say, hey, I want to stop this. I want to start this. Could you help me? I'm pretty sure your friend who loves Jesus will say, 
yes, I want to help you. If they don't, find a new friend. Because, I mean, your friends who love Jesus wouldn't want to help you stop stuff or start stuff that's going to help you with your walk with Jesus. Here's the other thing that I found out. Our core verse. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing of your mind is singular. I don't know if it means that, that process or if it's like me. But the don't be conformed, but be transformed is plural, which means people, y'all. And for Missouri, it's y'all. Don't be conformed, y'all be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what we do singularly, me, is going to affect us as a group. And we need that. And how we do that is going to be through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit but a renewed mind leads to changed lives. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we call upon you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to experience your word. And I just pray that we just listen to your word. Lord, I thank you that we have to do this all by ourselves. We have the Spirit of God, your Holy Spirit, with us. We thank you for the love of Jesus who rescued us from this life of sin. Lord, help us to see truth through error. Lord, help us to write something down to stop and something to start that will help us renew our mind this week. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus who conquered the grave. Amen.